Welcome to Livelihood, providing tactical and practical tips for women who work. I'm Britt Larson, your host. Building a personal brand, it can kind of sound like a joke. And in fact, if you follow comedic genius Emily McDowell, you know that she has a hilarious card that says, expletive, I forgot to build a personal brand. It's sort of become a running joke that now on top of being a busy working woman and doing all the things and having a job, finding a job, keeping a job, you also have to somehow build your own little company within yourself. Ugh, it sounds exhausting, but I want to tell you right now that I actually think it's really exciting. You've probably heard me say before, if you've listened to an episode in the past, that I think it's one of the most exciting times in history to be a woman. And here's why we have more control over our futures over the kind of flexibility that we have at work. We just have more control over our lives. And this is one of the major ways we have control. We can control how people view us at work and we can control the type of interactions that we have. And I just feel really blessed to be living in 2019 where I can actually build my own brand. So yeah, it's work and it's kind of obnoxious and I wish I didn't have to do it. But instead of getting frustrated, I just focus on the fact that I have the opportunity to do this. So before we get started and I get into the tactical and practical tips that I promise you on the Livelihood Podcast, I want to tell you about crisis communications. This is what I have an expertise in, which I really, really love, um, Mark. Before we get started and jump into the practical and tactical tips that I really want to focus on and promise in the livelihood podcast. I want to start by telling you about crisis communications. That's what I have an expertise in. It's what I focus on. And it's really what I love most about what I do. Most companies, big and small have accepted the inevitability and importance of having a proactive public relations and crisis comm strategy. It used to be that public relations was only seen as a crisis comms band-aid. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s, large corporations only had PR teams involved when something went wrong in the factory line and someone had to apologize for someone dying or a politician did something wrong and they had to apologize for it. With the constant evolution of media, with television, with social media, with the internet. Now companies, politicians, brands can just be so much more proactive about public relations, which also means there's an opportunity for a lot more of problems. And what's been interesting, even in my somewhat short career, I have been in PR and crisis comms for a little over a decade now, is that These companies are realizing and have realized now for 10, 15, 20 years that PR can build brand equity. It can help you hire people. People know that your company is horrible to work with. It's kind of a problem. It's hard to find good people to work for you. You can educate the public. You can develop credibility 
We've seen that it can just help with developing brand awareness in ways that advertising can't. And in more ways than one, we're seeing how our generation, millennials, really want to see causes and brands that care about the environment or something that we find important. And too often, startups or maybe a brand that's just getting started and sadly, even established companies, they wait until a crisis hits to think through the perception issues that they may have and then use PR to their advantage. It's not uncommon. And in fact, it happens every time I do crisis comms training. I wish I'd hired you before we had a problem. Because let me tell you, it's very rare that I get brought in when things are calm. They usually hire me at the height of a problem. And then we create a proactive strategy for the future. Now, we're going to apply this to your own personal brand and your own personal career. And you've probably heard me talk about this before as well. Your career is not a ladder. It's a roller coaster. And sadly, strategic PR is often the only tool at the disposal of a company in a crisis. There's often not much you can do. And the same goes for your own personal brand. So I want you to be proactive. I want you to prepare now for the inevitable crises that are going to happen in your career. You're going to have times where you're not going to get along with your boss. You're going to have times where a personal tragedy happens in your life that's going to impact your work. I am not preparing you for ifs. I'm preparing you for when. And I want you to be ready. So... I want to outline three ways that you can start today doing PR for yourself to avoid a personal crisis. I don't want you to get overwhelmed. Just like that joke that, oh my gosh, I forgot to build a personal brand. It it can feel overwhelming, but I think you'll see as I go through this episode, they're all very doable things and it may actually be stuff you're already doing, but you just need to make some tweaks so that it's actually going to help you when these things happen, not if. So the number one thing I want you to do is really to think about, does my boss know what my job is and what I do? So it's kind of a two-pronged question. Are they aware of what I do day to day, hour by hour? Do they actually know what my job is? Right after I launched Livelihood, so this was a little over a year ago, Actually, it's almost been two years. That's crazy. Uh, I had my first speaking engagement as the creator of Livelihood, and I asked and started my spiel to a room of about 50 professional women. I want you to raise your hand. Does your boss understand your job and what you do all day, if you agree with that statement? And half of the room laughed, kind of an awkward giggle, like, (laughs) yeah, and two hands went up. Now, you may think that's job security, but I think it's a major issue if your superiors don't understand what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to drop a major truth bomb that I would stake claim on and tell you is 100% fact. I believe this is one of the main reasons we have a pay gap. I believe this is one of the main reasons women are not paid what they deserve because women are stereotypical doers and often They don't make a point to highlight their accomplishments or how busy they are at work. I can't tell you how many times men have been just over their limit at work. The ones that 
I employ who have worked for me. And I know about it. I can see it in their face. They tell me about it. Oh, they love to tell me how busy they are. It's nuts. And the women just do. They get it done and they go home or they get it done, go home and they do some more. We just get it done. And we expect people to either see it and recognize it or expect other people to speak up and recognize us for it. It's not going to happen. It is your job and your responsibility to make people aware of what you're doing. I want to illustrate this with a story. I realized quickly in a role, my second job out of college, and I realized that my boss just, she had no idea how busy I was. And what was really hard about this is I was pretty early on the job. This is about three, four weeks in. I was told during the interview process that I would be able to hire a press assistant. And I knew it was going to happen, but I knew it wasn't going to be a huge priority for her, but I was drowning and I was really worried. I wasn't going to be able to produce the results that they wanted. So I sounded the alarms. I said, I'm drowning. And I just kept thinking, how does she not see all the stuff I'm doing? Hasn't she seen what I produce? I'm so confused. Doesn't she see that I'm the last person here? Doesn't she value me? And I remember having a bit of an epiphany and I think this is one of the reasons I've been in management from a somewhat young age is that I realized this pretty quickly because I was 23 when I was in this role. Um, the answer was no, of course she had no idea. She was a chief of staff and had 600 direct reports. There was no way she had any clue what I was doing. She had enough on her plate. And so it was my job, my responsibility, 100% on me to help her understand what I was getting done each week. So I tried to figure out a way to do this without being obnoxious and making sure that it was going to help both of us. So I just sent her a quick and formal email each week. So I started off by setting on Friday mornings. I didn't even tell her it was coming. I just divided up an email into four sections, weekly wins, just to quickly update her on stuff that had gotten done areas of improvement for my team. Cause I wondered, no, this isn't just look how amazing I am. It's actual stuff that I need to work on what was coming in the next week. And then most importantly, a section on what I needed from her, which kept things really, really concise and also made sure that she looked at it instantly. It was instantaneous. She came to my office 10 minutes after I sent it and said, Holy cow. I had no idea how many press responses you were having to send on a daily basis. I'm only aware of the stuff that you tell me. She expressed to me how helpful this was. I had no clue how busy you were. And guess what? I got my assistant. And I remember thinking, why hadn't I done this sooner? I had, you know, at this point, probably six weeks of major frustration and scratching my head and just thinking, why doesn't she know how busy I am? Can't she see If you have had that thought about your boss or your peers or even the people beneath you, it's on you. It is nobody else's job but yours to educate the people around you about what you're doing. Now, be careful. This is not a look how busy I am log. Nothing, absolutely nothing drives me crazier at work. This is my number one pet peeve than people who are busy as a badge of honor. My favorite employees are the ones who leave it for every day. That's right. Because I know that they're being super efficient and their goal is to get out of there. I know that their work is better because they want to get out of here. 
So to me, this is not a look how busy I am log and you're really in the gray area. You have to be careful. Don't get caught up in your boss understanding how busy you are. It has to be educational. Here are the results. Here's where I need your support. You have to make sure your boss knows your value because guess what? If something happens, and we already talked about, it's not if, when something happens, staffing changes need to be made. It comes up that someone could be promoted. It's very clear that changes have to be made within your department. You want to make sure your boss already knows you're irreplaceable. No questions asked. They've seen what you've done that week and they may not respond to it. And you're not going to make a big deal out of it because you don't deserve a trophy for educating your boss about what you're doing. It's just part of your job. You're just building your brand. The second tip I want to tell you about is building brand equity with your coworkers. This is a really important aspect that I struggle with. I'm a really social person. I'm outgoing, but I like to do my job and then have a life completely outside of work. It's kind of hard for me to have friends at work. And I don't know why I'm that way. I've kind of always been that way, but I've learned to treat it like allies. I need to have allies at work because I need to have a network of friends that will back me up. And that requires me to back them up. Sadly, I wish it wasn't true. I really do think that being liked by the people you work with is typically more important than the results that you produce. I know every single woman listening to this right now, or ma'am, I know I have some male listeners, mostly my brother who told me he has a goal of being the first male guest on live <laughs> You can think of someone right now that you either work with right now, and we're not going to get gossipy because we don't do that, but you can think of an example, don't say it out loud, of someone who, because they were popular and well-liked, was promoted. It had nothing to do with their results. It had nothing to do with them being good at their job. So think about it right now. How can you improve your network of allies? Now, I'm going to give you some really specific examples. This is not about popularity. This is about building a network. One of my favorite things to do is to write thank you notes to colleagues. Every time I've been promoted, I write thank you notes to my peer group, my new peer group, and people around me who helped make it possible you know, I'm smart about it. I obviously wouldn't write it to someone who maybe was up against me for a promotion. Just be smart, but write a thank you note to your boss, thanking them for the opportunity goes really, really far. Write a thank you note to someone who helps you while you're on vacation and pitches in for you. Thank you notes go a really, really long way. And a text and an email is nice. A Slack message is fine. A handwritten thank you note goes much, much further. You could start a lunch club about something completely unrelated to work. Remember when Pam and Toby start the finer things club in the office? I think that stuff goes really, really far. Start a book club or just bond over a show that you know your coworker likes. I'm going to admit this right now. I've started watching TV shows that I know my coworkers like because I wanted to have something to connect with them on. There's nothing wrong with that. And Make sure you thank people who help you. Just be gracious. You need people in your corner for when something goes wrong at work. You want to be the kind of person that people stand up and defend. One of my number one goals everywhere I work is to be the type of person that people defend 
But honestly, more importantly, the people give the benefit of the doubt to. So something comes up and I'm not there. The people say, that doesn't sound like Brit or Brit usually gets things done. That doesn't sound like her to let things fall through the cracks. That requires a network of allies that you have to stand up for. So you need to help people who get promoted. So when other people get promoted, congratulate them. When other things happen to people that are good, that you should be excited for, be the kind of person that congratulates them. That type of stuff goes a long way too. Nothing is more noticeable than someone who doesn't say something like that when you know that they should. We've all been there when we've thought, oh, why didn't so-and-so tell me congrats? The way that I think of it is that you should have an ally at every level. You've probably heard the old adage that you should treat the janitor and the CEO the same way. And just like the other example, you probably have an example of someone at your company right now who treats the entry-level people worse than they treat the CEO, or they're just different. You know, they're different around certain groups of people. You don't want to be like that. That's not you. It's important that your boss respects you, but it's important that the gal at the front desk respects you too, or the, the guy. That was too much of a stereotype. I just said the guy. I actually really like having allies and prefer allies outside of my peer group and in other departments, mostly because it requires me to learn and stretch myself outside of the people that I would normally work with. But sometimes it's also really hard to be friends with your peers. In my most recent job, all my peers were men. It was awful. It was just really hard to bond with them socially. Almost all of them were married. It just wasn't working. And so I reached outside of my peer group. One of my recent things that I've done to help with that, because I had an all-male peer group, was I started a Slack channel called Gals Of and put my company name. And I totally started on my own, kind of on a whim, because I felt like because I only had men in my peer group. I didn't know a lot of the other women at my company and I just wanted to connect with them more. So I started sharing articles and gifts and just funny stuff that was coming up. And at first it was just me and people responding to me, but then within a few days it became an actual conversation. It was so fun. So take a quick mental inventory of who your allies are. What can you do to keep them in your corner? Are you doing a good job of helping them? Don't make this about them helping you. That will never, ever work. Make them just as much your ally as you are theirs. Like you need to be each other's allies. This is not about getting a bunch of people to back you up. You need to make sure that you're backing them up as well. And one quick little note, managers notice who you hang out with and who you're around. If you know that there are people at your company that don't have a great reputation, don't hang out with them. I'm constantly shocked by people bringing this up to me in one-on-ones. This has happened a lot. Like, hey, I know so-and-so doesn't have the greatest reputation. Am I getting kind of blacklisted by hanging out with them? That's happened to me at least three times as a manager. And I want to say the fact that you're asking the question is a great indication that you're self-aware and this person is not. Does that mean you shouldn't talk to that person? No. Does that mean you shouldn't be friends with that person? Absolutely not. But maybe you should add to your ally group outside of that one person. The last tip I want to give you goes with our first tip. Keep track of your success. One of the best things about having a really, really 
succinct weekly diary, your weekly report, or maybe it's monthly, or maybe you're doing some kind of other update to your boss is that now you have a way to check in on what you've done for the last year. So when you go into your annual review or whatever your company does, you're prepared. I'm just remembering as I'm talking about this, that one time I gave this tip to someone and she said to me, Oh, if my boss doesn't know what I've done when I go into my annual review, then I don't want to work for them. And I cackled because I've had at times 40 direct reports. When I worked in Florida, I had direct reports I never met in person. They were scattered around the state. Do you think I knew when I went into the reviews what they were doing? I had no idea. It was their job to educate me. It is not your boss's job to keep track of your success. It's your job. Too often we rely on other people to think of that great win we had six months ago or to understand that we're capable based on our experience. Something I get so frustrated about, but it's just the reality of being a working person. Sadly, I think it's worse for working women is when things come up and I want to say, oh, hold up, hold up. You do realize that I've had experience doing this. I understand this because I've done it before. Don't you remember that? I'm sure you've all experienced that as well. That's why you have to keep track of your success. For an annual review one year, I put together a fun infographic about my department success. I really made it about the team, everything that we had done together. And this was a true women supporting women project. One of my good friends from DC is a great designer. I sent her all the information. She built the infographic. It was a great visual cue to my boss that I was a true team player, but it showed her how far we'd come. It was such a cool experience to go into that annual review completely prepared. I got the raise I wanted and it just showed her, look, Here's a visual cue and representation of everything that my team has accomplished this year. And again, this wasn't about how busy I am. This is about the value that I'm bringing to the table. I frequently urge my public relations and crisis comms clients to talk to their reporters or the people in their corner, their customers, about small product updates or just little improvements that they're making. And it's so funny when I first bring this up to people they often see it as a waste of time. (laughs) They just get so frustrated. They think, well, they're not going to write a story. I'm not talking to a reporter. You have to think about this as a 401k. So bring these things up along the way. Don't do it in a boastful way. Don't even think about it as a humble brag, but make sure that you're taking credit for the things that you're fixing. Bring it up in a one-on-one with your boss. Send a casual text to your boss if that's the kind of relationship with you have. Just stay on their radar. The same goes for the people with you that you work with, just like it would with a reporter. It's your responsibility to keep track of these things and to figure out what's jiving and working with your boss. Guess what would be awesome? Saying to your boss, how would you like to become aware of successes in my department? And then you go back to number one and say, I could send you a weekly report. I could just bring it up in our monthly one-on-ones. I would love to make sure that you're aware of what's happening in my department. And you could make it about success. I would just make it about what's happening. You're going to need to bring up some negative stuff too. It can't all be positive. I hope that this has been more helpful than overwhelming because I truly do know that building your brand 
is overwhelming, but let me tell you right now, it's ongoing, it's evolving constantly, and you're going to have to adapt. Because PR principles apply just as much to your career as they do an established company. You do not want to regret not putting your name out there sooner. One of my biggest regrets about my early years in my career is that I didn't do some of this. I was not great about keeping track of the pictures that I was taking with famous people in my early career. I just was in such a daze as trying to figure out what I was doing. And I didn't want to screw that up. And I didn't really keep track of stuff. So start now by building your brand wherever you are. Start now. And then you can be proud of who you are and people will stand by you in a crisis. You'll want to stand by who you are in a crisis because they will come. There will be times in your career, they will come sooner rather than later, where you're going to want to fall back on those successes. Maybe the crisis, air quotes, it's just that you need to redo your resume because you decided that you need a new job. That may be all it is. I really, really hope that you have a great time trying to figure this stuff out because it really is an awesome opportunity to figure out what you want to be known for. And that would be my last tip. Like I've said, I want to be the kind of person people give the benefit of the doubt to. That requires building a network of allies. What's important to you? What do you want to be known for? I also really pride myself on being quick and responsive. That's really important in PR and crisis comms. And when people tell me that I am those things, I know that I'm on track. When those things are falling behind, I know I need to fix that. So think about those things. Think about what you want to be known for, what your brand is really about. Too often we focus on the outside aspects of brands. And I'm sure any designers listening to me are going to cringe. Those things are important. Trust me. They're really important. That's why I redid livelihood.com pretty recently because it was hideous when I first launched it. Those things are really vital. But at the end of the day, it's the inside, it's the content, it's the actual stuff that you're doing that really matters. So make sure people know what you're actually doing and make sure to tune back in for the livelihood podcast next week. If you liked today's episode, or even if you didn't, I've never asked for this before in an episode. Can you please give me a review on iTunes. I would love constructive criticism. I would love to know what you think. This is the 12th episode. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing. And if you have any ideas for guests or topics I should cover, please email me at Brit at livelihood.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to livelihood. Please share this episode with your friends and be sure to follow livelihood on Instagram and join the livelihood community group on Facebook. You can always find more info and episodes on livelihoodwithaway.com.